Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Maybe wondering who that is. That's my mom. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Well, I dismiss the children to Children's Church, and I invite you as you as they're going to just watch them go for a second. Kids up through sixth grade can go, and you can keep your eyes on them for a little while. And I want you to pay attention to them because you may notice in your bulletin there's a green flyer that mentions our needs for our children's programs coming up in the fall uh, for workers, for Sunday school hour, for children's hour, for for different times. And these are really critical roles that need to be filled, but they're able to be filled by many of you. You don't have to be an expert in much of anything other than being able to love children and tell them about God's love for them. And this is a really important job. We at Berean really value our children and our ministry to our children. We just taught, heard about camp that was last week for our junior high and high schoolers. The week before, we had our vacation Bible adventure. It's really important for us to pour into the lives of our kids because our kids are going to be the ones who are carrying the gospel to the world in 20 years from now, 10 years from now, that we want to be training them up in the ways of the Lord. And this is not something that we want to wait until they're adults before they find out about this. And so we, I encourage you, even if you're only able to help out in one of the roles, in a small role, uh, talk to Susie. We, this is really, this isn't something that we just kind of, this isn't just childcare for our kids while you all get to be in, in big church. But this is a really important role. So we, I would love for you to talk to Susie. This is, is really important. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. I've been having some conversations. Actually, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer as, as we begin here. God, as we open your word together, we are people who want to be shaped by your word. We want to be challenged by it, but we don't gather to, to open Scripture just so we can know more, but so that we can know and live out the response to the things that we have learned. And so as we open your word together, we ask that we may be a people who are changed by the things that we discuss today, that we may be equipped more fully to enter your world as people who are trusting in the things that you have said and being guided by who you are. We pray this in your name. Amen. Proverbs chapter 3. So I've been having some conversations with a few of you over the last month or so, and I've been having some sort of internal conversations with myself and the Lord and and Scripture. And and this verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, has been coming back to me over and over again. This is a verse that when I was a kid... And I would get, uh, my parents gave me a Bible. They would, they wrote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in the Bible. And I was asking my parents about that. And they, my dad was saying that when he was a kid and his parents gave him a Bible, they also wrote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in, in the Bible. That this was a, a verse that was meaningful for his parents, was meaningful for him, and is really a verse that has become meaningful for me as well, and I was talking to my mom about it, and the same thing, that it was a verse that was meaningful for her, for her 
mom and that was passed on down to her and that is so if if i'm not someone who necessarily holds on to the idea of like a life verse or something like that but I, if i had one this would probably be it this is this is as close to one as as i guess we're going to get and so i've been reflecting there's there's just been all kinds of conversations of things that you all are going through that I've been talking to some of you about. Talk, when we've been meeting with that college group on Thursday nights, this has been coming up again and again. And, and so I wanted to share just a few reflections on this verse and, and what it might mean and a couple stories that are related to that. So Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. This idea of trust in the Lord with all your heart, I think is, is a phrase that can just sort of be, what does that really even mean? Right? It, the idea of trust oftentimes is just something that we, we think we can sort of flip a switch to, and say, okay, I'm going to choose to trust, and so like now I just do it. And it's we think of it oftentimes as a, a mental exercise, faith as a mental exercise. But I want to talk this morning about how faith and trust in the Lord with all of our heart is not just something that we say, okay, now I now I trust, but it's actually something that we actively walk into with our lives. This is not just an idea, but this is action. That we, that we live out and we play out. So it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. Or your translation might say, this is how I memorized it as a kid. Acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths or he will make your paths straight. And I want to talk about what does it mean to submit to him, to acknowledge him and allow ourselves to not be leaning on our own understanding, our own idea. And it's important from the outset that what we're talking about here is not any is not ruling out any room for doubt in our lives right because there are times in our lives where we where we can't just work our way towards trust and we go through seasons of struggle and questions and doubt and that's okay the lord is there for those doubts the scriptures the psalms are full of questions and wrestling and doubt in the Lord. It's in the scripture, and, and we can also be doing that. Even Jesus, as he is getting ready to be crucified, is questioning the Lord and saying, take this cup from me. But then there moves towards a level of trust. And our doubt and trust often go hand in hand. So I just want to say to you, if you're here this morning and you're in a season of doubt and, and questioning that this word uh, that we're bringing today of just trust might feel like oh, i just i can't do that and hopefully through what we're talking about today we might find some steps towards moving towards trust but maybe not and that's that's okay too but this invitation to trust the lord this invitation to not lean on our own understandings is process and what i'm finding over 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 my life is it's not something that we just say, oh, I did that thing now, and now I trust, and, and it's all, it's, it's finished, right? Now I've trusted in the Lord with all my heart, and the rest of my life is, is 
ready to go. And I mean, it's, it's a continual learning process where a new circumstance, a new, a new set of anxiety, a new problem comes into our life. And we have to then once again decide, am I going to trust the Lord here? And then something else comes along a little bit later and says, am I going to trust here? And it's, it's not something that we just do one time, but it's something that we're continually learning how to do. It's a process. And so I want to, I want to really present to you two stories today. One, a story of a people who did not trust and, and what trust does not look like. Because we can see that in our own lives as well. And then a story of what trust does look like. So I would invite you to flip in your Bibles back to Exodus chapter 3. In Exodus chapter 3, the, the people of Israel have been in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. And they have been crying out to the Lord, and the Lord is getting ready to raise up a man named Moses to free them out of slavery. And so just for, for context to the story that we're going to get to, I want to read just a little bit of Exodus chapter 3. Moses is out in the wilderness. He's, he's fled from Egypt. He's, he's been living out in the, in the wilderness for 40 years, taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. And he's out there tending the sheep, and he comes across a bush that is burning, but it's not, it's, it's on fire, but it's not being burned up. And the Lord comes to Moses and he tells him, I am calling you, Moses, to, to lead my people out of Egypt. And, and Moses begins to ask him questions about what is this process. And I just want to point out one thing about, about God here in, starting in verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you should call me from generation to generation. So Moses comes before, or God comes before Moses and Moses is having these questions. He say, who are you? What is the name that I should bring back to the people? And God's response isn't really a name. He says, I am who I am. Or your translation might say down in the, in the footnote, it says, I will be what I will be. And, and his response is more of a verb than a name. And, and commentators, I mean, there, there are volumes that are written around what is God actually saying here about his name and what's going on. But this idea of I am who I am or I will be what I will be, or some could, tra- you could translate it, I cause to be what will be. But this idea that God, rather than giving a name, he's giving action. He's talking about his, he, he is the source of life. I will be what I will be. I am what I am, or I am who I am. He's the creator. He's inviting them to see himself as his presence is who he is, not a name. And then he goes on to say, he says, say to the people, to the Israelites, the Lord. 
And if in, your, in our English translation, it says the Lord, but you'll notice in your English translation that it's also all caps, right? You have the capital L and then a little bit smaller font, O-R-D, is also in cap, cap, capitalized. And what that means, anytime you see that in your English translation, what that word is, is the, is the name of God that he gives to Moses. It's, it's Yahweh. And we don't actually know how that name was pronounced because the people of Israel stopped saying it. And so a lot of times you'll, uh, it just gets written Y-H-W-H because we don't actually know what the vowels for, for that name was. But we have a lot of people make assumptions and that's usually the one that, that people, people go with. But this name that, that is meant to be God, God's name and it's, it's this form of, of this idea of of I am who I am. The, the Hebrew is, is connected there. One commentator that I was, I was reading this week said, Moses asks after God's name, and God responds by providing not a label, but a theology. That is to say, God will always be there for his people in a distant Egypt too, even if that divine presence is questioned and imperceptible. So God doesn't give a full answer, but he says, I am who I am. A few chapters later, the exodus has happened. The people in Exodus chapter 20, people have been brought out of Egypt. And they come to the Lord at Mount Sinai. And this is where God is giving the Ten Commandments. And he's giving these instructions and he says, God, verse, verse 1 says, God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children of the sin for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations to those who love me and keep my commandments. What I want to highlight to you in, in this second commandment, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. This instruction that God is giving to them is for people who are being removed out of Egypt for 400 years, for generation upon generation. They have been surrounded by images of the gods of Egypt. And all of these images are not the gods themselves, but they're representations of these gods. They're physical manifestations and forms of here's the God that we are worshiping. And God says to this people who he's bringing out of Egypt, you are not to make images of me. This God who you asked for my name, and I've given you not so much a name, but a, a verb, a presence, you are not to form who I am into something that you can see and something that you are going to bow down and worship. You are to worship me, this, this spiritual God. Don't try to form me into something that you can control. And now, flip over just a couple chapters more to Exodus chapter 32. Moses has been talking with God 
up on the mountain. He, he gave the Ten Commandments to all the people. They all heard it. And at the end of it, the people said, we can't handle the voice of God speaking to us. Moses, you go speak to God and, and be our representative before God and then come back and give us the instructions of God. So Moses goes up onto the mountains and the mountain and he's gone for a long time, for 40 days. How many of you remember 40 days ago? Hopefully you do, but, but it's a long time. When you set yourself, set yourself like a 40 day goal of something that you're gonna, you're gonna work on for 40 days, when you get to the end of that time, like that's, that's a lot of work that you have put in, right? So they're gone, he's gone for 40 days. And the people are sitting down at the, the, the nation is sitting down at the bottom of the mountain and they begin to wonder, is he coming back? Right? They can't just text him because he doesn't have cell service up there. Uh, they don't know where he is and they don't know if he's coming back and the people begin to get worried. When the people saw that Moses was no, was so long in coming down from the mountain, They gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods for us who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. This middle part of the chapter is the response that God sees this happening and sends Moses back down to confront them. In verse 21, we'll pick this up. Moses says to Aaron, What did these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? Do not be angry, my lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, Make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I told them, Whoever has any gold or jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold and I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. <laughs> a couple of things that I want to point out to you in this story. First of all, we, we can laugh at that silliness of Aaron's response, but we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. But notice what he says here. He says, these are the gods who brought you up out of Egypt. Or some translators, some commentators say that this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt. And then in verse 5, he says, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. But notice the way that it's written in your translation. The festival is to Yahweh. It is not as though the people are doubting the God who brought them up out of Egypt. But what they have done is they have formed an image to represent the God who brought them out of Egypt. Because before they had Moses, who was interceding with them and telling them, here's what God wants. And now they're in a position of uncertainty and questioning, and is he coming back? We need something to hang on to, something that we can see, something visible 
that will help us to know that God's presence is still with us. And so they make an idol, not because they're all of a sudden worshiping some other God, but they're actually just forming an idol to help them worship Yahweh. And so they form this idol and, and Moses comes down and confronts them and Aaron said, it just, just appeared. We just threw the gold in and it, it showed up. And we can laugh at that, but how often in our lives, in moments of uncertainty, of anxiety, of worry, do we start grasping on to anything that we can possibly see or touch or, or just make sense of the world? And so we, we rely on our own understanding of the world rather than trusting in a God who has promised to be with us and to walk us through those moments of uncertainty and anxiety. So often we're working we, we, we have questions and we just, we start, we start, uh, whether it's within our jobs, we just start taking the next step because we know that it must just be the, the thing in front of us. And so we, we start, we start arguing with the person around us and we start, we start fighting with those people or, or we, we say, I don't, we're, we're trying to figure out what school I should go to or, and we just start grasping for anything that can give us a sense of peace and security. In our relationships, we just start working towards whatever gives us a solid foundation instead of going back to the Lord and trusting that He is going to walk us through this. In our communities, in our world, when we come to moments of uncertainty, we look for someone to guide us through that rather than trusting that the Lord is working. The story of Israel, the story of Scripture, over and over again are these stories of people being invited to trust God and so often they just grab for whatever is convenient nearby instead. A few generations later, the people are in doubt again. They're in concern and they say, what we really need is a king. That's what's going to help. A king who's going to lead us. And the Lord says, I was going to be your king. I was going to be the one to lead you. And instead, they demand a king so they can be like all the nations around them. And so often in our lives, we too are just grasping for whatever is solid. And we turn something that might be good into an idol. Because rather than trusting in the Lord, we're trusting in whatever we can possibly see in front of us. And now, I want to tell you a story of what trust does look like. So I want to invite my mom back up. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, as, as I've been interacting with my mom the last few weeks, she's been home and hearing a little bit of, of what has been going on in, in your life for uh, the last few years. I want you to be able to share with us exactly what that is. So for those of you that don't know, 
my my dad was up until 2016 was the president of the Grace Gospel Fellowship, which is the network of churches that we that our church is a part of. And right around spring of 2016, he decided it was time for him to retire. Since then, they've gone to Bolivia as missionaries. So, Mom, tell us how you're feeling when uh, your husband, my father, told you that he was going to retire from his job. Well, it was it was really scary. I, to put it bluntly, I said, "You can't do that." <laughs> um, that's kind of, um, yeah, not the best thing to say. <laughs> but it was it was a real struggle. Um, I knew that he'd been weighing his options and thinking about this, and we talked about what would happen if he did retire. Um, and yet, I really felt like God was using him, and this was a good place. I, you know, I was comfortable doing what we were doing. And so when he said he was going to retire, that just that huge open door of uncertainty was ahead of me because I knew it wasn't like we're just going to retire and not do anything. Um, and I found that it was like stepping off into the unknown. And I, I really had to, to call out to God and say, what are you, what are you doing? And and it is a point of trusting, and it was a new step of trusting. Sometimes we think as we get older, well, we've learned some of those lessons, but no, there's a lot more. There's still more lessons to learn of trust, and and uh, so I think that was my first. Um, I I had to, in prayer, in spending time with the Lord, realize that I trusted God in this, and I also trusted my husband. I knew he was praying. I knew that he was seeking God, and. So I was going to step ahead into that area of trust. Um, do you want to share about those first couple of days after he told Actually, you Actually, when I told him he couldn't do it, he was kind of, you know, working up to tell me what he was thinking. And I, and I reacted with this, no, you can't do that. And so for about two days, we really didn't speak to each other much, except for, you know, what do you want for dinner or just non, not, you know, non-essential things. But... That was a time that I really spent in prayer, and he was really rethinking and praying about things before we could sit down and have that conversation and said, you know, I think I, I trust you, I think was one of the things that I said to him. I trust you, and I trust God in in this, whatever this step is that we're taking forward. But we didn't know what we were going to do at that point. Um, it was still um, months of some uncertainty, and... Um, some of us can maybe relate to those <laughs> couple of days of silence. Um, uh, so as as you then were beginning to think about the next steps, and you guys were talking about that, and it seemed to be clear that your one of your options, at least, was heading back to Bolivia, where you had been before. How are you feeling? Tell us how you're feeling about the possibility of leaving. We, we loved being in Bolivia before. I, I have said many times that our time in Bolivia was a gift. We have been able to go back and visit people. Um, we have maintained contact because of the Internet. Um, but to live there again, <laughs> I wasn't really sure I could do that. And um, I'm older. <laughs> um, and I thought, can I do that now at my age? I knew what the challenge was before, and can I do that? And then... The, the really hard thing was leaving family, leaving grandkids. Um, we have 11 grandkids. Can I do that? Um, can I, 
I, you know, we trust our kids to God, but we still want to be involved. <laughs> and I feel like being a grandparent is a huge responsibility. But I had to say, okay, God, they're yours. I have to trust that too. And that's an unknown. I, I, we want to control things. And so I think in that trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding, I go back to my own understanding so many times. That's just, I want to figure it out. I want to plan. I want to know what's going on. Um, but I, acknowledging God in all things, who is he? I know who he is. I've seen his hand. I've seen him work on my life. I can trust him. And you, uh, you were saying when you were sharing in Denver, when you were talking about this, that part of your concern, right, was that you had things that you were doing in Michigan when you were there, and you were not really sure, what am I going to do in Bolivia? You know, am I going to have something to do, or am I just going to be bored and and you're doing all the work, and I'm just here hanging out trying to refresh my Spanish and eating saltines? <laughs> you know, there was, there was some of that. I felt like when we came home to Bolivia, I had to figure out who I was again. And now going back to Bolivia, I knew people, I knew things, I knew ministry, um, but it was all different. You can't just step back into something and have it be what it was 12 years before. Um, and I did feel like I sat around a lot and cleaned. I, I thought I'm here to support my husband, to make his life, um, to help, to facilitate the ministry God has called him to. And if that means doing the shopping and fixing the meals and doing those things and and accompanying him places, and that was what I was going to do. And God has opened up doors for me as I've trusted him, as I've sought him. He has um, given me opportunities to serve him um, that are that I'm, I'm really thankful for. But again, it, it's just that I feel like being back in Bolivia <clears throat> has been a real uh, a series of lessons of trust um, that I have I've struggled. God keeps saying, just trust me on this. <laughs> and, I, and I struggle again, and he tells me to trust him. And, and that's what life is. It's ups and downs and trust, and we keep going back to who, what we think or what we want to do or how we're going to figure it out. God says, I've got this, and, I, and you can trust me. I know I can, and that's just what he keeps reminding me. You want to say a little bit about what? Last, last question for you. Do you want to say what it, one of the things that about the women that have come to you and share a little bit about that? Because Frosty has been teaching these uh, dispensational classes, and um, I went with him to a church where he's teaching them on a Sunday morning, and there's a group of about 30 young adults, anywhere from 25 to 35 or so. Some of them are married, some of them are single. But the second Sunday, um, a group of four young women came up to me and said, would you mentor us, disciple us, um, and help us so that we can mentor and disciple other young women. And what a, what a joy it is to meet with these young women. And they challenge me. I, I, they wear me out, (laughs) but, um, I just, it's a joy to be able to share God's with people and see them excited about it and wanting to serve the Lord and, um, seeking him and, um, so it's, it's just, God blesses us when we trust him. We don't always see it right away. It takes a while, but, um, I'm, I'm thankful 
that. Even though it's still hard. It's still going to be hard to get on that plane and, and leave everybody. And, but, I, but I know that, that I can trust them to the Lord and um, that God is good and he cares. And, yeah. Thanks. So I hope you hear that story and you are reminded of those moments of uncertainty in your own life. And a couple of things to, to highlight there. There are things that you would not have anticipated when you went to Bolivia. Of This was a thing. You, things that you couldn't possibly have imagined or chosen for yourself that the Lord has brought your way because of your trust in him. And the same is true for us when we trust that the, the Israelites couldn't possibly see another way. And in our moments of uncertainty, everything seems like, how could there possibly be another way? Everything is falling apart. Moses is gone. Nothing good is ever, you ever seen that uh, David after the dentist, that video? Is this going to be forever? And it feels like it's going to be forever, the, the, the cloud, the uncertainty. But the Lord invites us, and, and the writer of Proverbs invites us to trust in the Lord. And this isn't just, okay, I'm going to do this, but it's, it's stepping in to something different. It's an active trust. And being able to say, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what tomorrow will be, but I am going to trust that God is going to be there. That the God who is who he is, the God of presence, is a God who is with us, Emmanuel. And he will be with me tomorrow as I step into that uncertainty. And it doesn't necessarily mean that all of the answers will come. But the next day, I'll take another step in trust. And there'll be more opportunities of uncertainty and worry and anxiety and more invitations to say, will I trust the Lord with this as well? Will I trust with this? Will I trust with my finances? Will I trust with my job? Will I trust with my family? Will I trust with my grandkids? Or will I keep trying to grasp and do it all myself and form an idol that might just appear out of nowhere and the thing that is good has become now an object of idolatry because we've begun to worship it and trust in it rather than the Lord. Let's pray. God, we uh, we have all kinds of circumstances in our lives that demand our attention, that demand our worship, that demand our lives. All kinds of competing stories that tell us this is who we ought to be or this is what we ought to hold fast to. And you come and you invite us again and again to just simply trust in you. To step into 
the life that you are offering us. We can't necessarily see the next step, but God, we ask that we may be a people who step out in faith, who rely on you, who trust you with our hearts, who lean not on our own understandings. But in all of our ways, Lord, we submit to who you are and where you are leading us so that you may guide and direct our paths. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Gary. Our final hymn that we'd like to share with you now is appropriate and appropriately entitled Trusting Jesus. Uh, it may not be familiar uh, to all of you, so if you'd like to refer to your hymnal, you'll find it at number 578. Would you please stand with us now as we sing Trusting Jesus? Just this morning, I was having a conversation with someone else who is learning to trust. And I know, as I've had conversations with many of you, that this is true, that, that you are exercising your trust muscles. And what, what I hope you heard today in hearing from my mom, that this is not something, I'm not going to say how old she is, but this is not something that you figure out once you hit a certain age. But you're continually learning what this means for the next step and that we are strengthening. And, and sometimes it gets easier over time and then new circumstances that are harder than we ever could have anticipated come along. And, and we have to figure it out new again. And so my invitation and my hope for, for us as a community and us as individuals is that, that we may learn again this week in new ways to step out in trust and to know that when we do so, he will be guiding our path.